Hey, I'm Cheryl Sutherland, and I'm filling in for Manica. This is a decibel from the Globe and Mail. There's been more than 17,000 confirmed or suspected cases of monkeypox worldwide since May. That's according to the World Health Organization. This includes about 900 cases here in Canada. With infections climbing, so is the spread of misinformation. And so we put a call out on social media to find out what you wanted to know about monkeypox right now. I'm sure you won't have the answers to all of these questions, but I think it'll be good to even just talk about what we do know versus what we don't know yet. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Globe Health reporter Wensi Leung has been following the monkeypox outbreak. And, and just as a caveat, like as we've learned through talking about infectious diseases, there's still a lot we don't know. And, um, you know, this, what we what I will talk about is what we know for now. Yes. And things can change. Information changes all the time, Absolutely. but we are going to talk about what we know at this moment. Wensi's here to help answer some of your questions. You're listening to The Decibel. Wensi, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me here. And it's really nice to have you in the studio. It's really nice to talk to people in person. <laughs> thanks. So we did an episode about monkeypox back in June before the World Health Organization announced that it was a, quote, public health emergency of international concern. And that's also before New York City and California declared public health emergencies. Has the monkeypox outbreak gone basically as expected is it worse than we thought? Is it better? I think we could say that it is probably worse than it should be. I think we could have expected it to become a problem. That's not unexpected. I think what is unexpected, perhaps, is that we weren't able to clamp down on it as as quickly as we probably should have. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of questions online and, and some pretty weird misinformation out there that made us want to make this episode. So let's start with with one of kind of the weirder ones that we've been reading about. There was a tweet making the rounds that talked about how monkeypox was showing up in the wastewater, which meant that sewer rats would become infected, which would spread the virus much more broadly, like some medieval black death plague. What can you tell us about how likely that is? Um, Okay, so I think that there are two sort of major um, leaps that that tweet kind of makes. So the first is that that if it's in the wastewater, then it's going to, you know, cause all these sorts of infections in, in animals. So that in itself is kind of a leap because we know that when people are doing wastewater testing, they're testing the DNA of monkeypox and, you know, they're finding it there. But whether it's live virus that is able to infect animals, we don't really know that. Yeah, so they're not, they're not testing, they're testing the DNA, but not the actual whether or not it's a live virus. Yet. Right. Yeah. So the second big leap is that we don't know um, really how, how well the virus infects sewer rats. So there, there was a study done in 19, I think it's like 1974, where they did try to infect a whole bunch of different kinds of animals. They actually did a test to infect different animals. Yeah, yeah. So there were like rabbits, there's like squirrels, rats, uh, white rats, mice. And what they found was that um, with lab rats, it didn't really take in lab rats. That's fascinating. Yeah. So like I said, you know, that's another kind of big leap. So so what do we know then about how monkeypox does spread? 
So we know in endemic countries, what can happen is animal to human spread. And that's where, you know, um, humans are in contact with like blood, with um, the lesions or, you know, fluids from infected animals. And that gets into the into humans. And from the majority of cases that are happening now in non-endemic countries, it's like human to human transmission or human um, to like contaminated object transmission. So when it comes to human to human transmission, it's mostly through intimate contact with people, um, whether that's through respiratory secretions, like, you know, little um, tiny particles of, of like spit or mucus when you're like, when you're breathing out or through um, con- direct contact with lesions mm-hmm. or also, you know, with, with it human to, to objects, it's like through contaminated objects like bedding or clothing, that kind of thing. I think there's been a lot of confusion about how serious this is. Um, you know, one of our listeners, one of the people that responded to our call out said, why should we care if it's not serious? Um, so what kind of symptoms are we seeing in this monkeypox outbreak? Like, What does it actually do to you? Sure. Okay. So, so for a, a lot of people, you know, it can be very painful and it can be very disruptive. You know, you have to stay isolated for quite some time. And in case, some cases, it can be quite serious in Europe. There have been estimates to about 6% of people who have had it um, in this recent global outbreak have had to be hospitalized. Mm. The number of fatalities so far is pretty small. Mm. Outside of the endemic countries in Africa, there are, are media reports that are, there have been four, mm-hmm. um, four deaths. So, so fatalities are low, but you did say there is there's a disruption and, and, and pain. Like, what, what kind of pain are people feeling from from having monkeypox? So it does cause a painful rash, mm-hmm. um, and there are generally like two stages of the the infection. So the first kind of stage of infection lasts about up to five days, and that's when people experience the fever. They get intense headache. They get like back pain, muscle aches, lack of energy. They get swollen no- lymph nodes, and then the next kind of period is characterized by the the sort of skin lesions, and that um, that usually occurs like about one or, one to three days after after someone has a fever, and then you can like have like all sorts of other symptoms too, like vomiting, diarrhea, mm-hmm. chills, sore throat, headache. So it's really not it's really not pleasant. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, isolation. How how long do people need to stay isolated once they have monkeypox? According to the CDC in the U.S., you're not no longer contagious when all of your scabs fall off. And that could take some time. That could take a few weeks. A few weeks? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So public health measures have so far been really focused on preventing spread between men who have sex with men who do make up the majority of cases right now, about 99% of cases. But it is also leading some homophobic comments about how only gay men can get it. And I just wonder, like, why is it important for public health to focus efforts on the, that community? Like, what is the rationale for that? Yeah, okay, so so first off, it is affecting that community the, the most. So they're the hardest hit right now. And um, so it makes sense to pour your resources into, into protecting that community. The second is, you know, this idea of ring vaccination, which is where you, you sort of vaccinate people all around 
anybody who is infected. And the rationale there is to kind of prevent further spread. Like if you can kind of contain it within these sort of these rings of people, um, of contacts, then it doesn't spread further and, and, and um, spread into um, other populations as well. And the third um, kind of rationale, I guess, is we ha really have to stop thinking of monkeypox as a disease that just affects men who have sex with men as though men who have sex with men are not worth protecting. Mm -hmm. There is uh, one expert from UCLA, Andrew Moyne, who had mentioned that an infection anywhere is a potential for infections everywhere. And the mistake that we made with monkeypox is is not paying attention to it when it was infecting people in Africa mm -hmm. um, and thinking that, oh, it's just happening over there and it's not going to affect us. And and if we if we do some similar here with any specific population and say, oh, it's just affecting them, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to really... Um, that's really going to backfire. Can't bury our heads in the sand here. Exactly. We had a question from a listener who wanted to know if monkeypox has been proven to be airborne. What do we know about that? Um, well, there's there's a distinction between like what's airborne, what's aerosol, and what's like droplet spread. So what the World Health Organization says is that like you can get it through respiratory secretions, and that means transmission through respiratory droplets. And what they say is that you usually have to have prolonged face-to-face um, -face contact mm -hmm. with someone in order to, to get it that way. Okay. So another thing that a listener wants to know is, is something that, you know, about everyday life, shopping, trying on clothes, because there is this, this ability to, to maybe get monkeypox from, from uh, sheets, for example, or, or clothing. So if you go to try something on at a store or putting yourself, at, are you putting yourself at risk of getting monkeypox? I think that's such a great question. Okay, so f uh, I would say from the World Health Organization's perspective, mm -hmm. they say that you can, you can get this transmission through recently contaminated objects. Mm -hmm. The U.S. CDC says that pox viruses in general can survive um, in linens, on clothing, on surfaces, and particularly when it's in a dark, cool, and hum low humidity environments. So uh, the CDC on its on its website mentions this one study that found live virus in a patient's home 15 days after it was left unoccupied. That's a long time. That's a long time. But I think, you know, it's important to want, to question is like, how you know, whether just because a virus is live and it's sitting there, what are the chances of you actually contracting it and being infected? And then when it comes to like our general somebody's sort of day-to-day -day interactions. Right now in Canada, there are 803 publicly reported cases of monkeypox through the country. If you kind of consider you're going into a store, what are the chances that somebody has actually tried on that particular item of clothing before you have? It's probably pretty low for now. We also have a question here from our senior producer here at The Decibel, who saw a study posted on Instagram that said that monkeypox can cause miscarriages in pregnant people. This is a study from The Lancet, and that's a very respected journal. So can we talk about what that study said? Yeah, sure. So that study um, looked at 
women who were in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where there is um, a Congo-based enclave of monkeypox that is circulating, which is believed to have caused a more se- severe illness. And when you say clade, um, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, right. So um, clade is kind of the, the, the type of monkeypox. So there's ki- there's kind of two major um, clades of monkeypox. There's the West African clade, mm-hmm. which is the one that's kind of, that's circulating now outside of the endemic countries mm-hmm. in Africa. And the then there's, here. yeah, exactly. And then there's the Congo Basin clade, which is kind of central around, centered around the Congo Basin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with the the Congo Basin clade, the the fatality rates are quite a bit higher than the West African clade. Mm-hmm. So um, with that Lancet study, it mentioned that human infections with monkeypox they can carry a high risk of severe congenital infection, pregnancy loss, mm. maternal morbidity, and mortality. So. With the CDC and um, the WHO, it does mention that with pregnant women, there is a risk. But at this point so far, the, the number of pregnant women who are contracting monkeypox is probably fairly low outside of the endemic countries in Africa. We also had two listeners um, ask about the risk to children from monkeypox. And that's actually something that I'm interested in as well, because I have a toddler, a two-year-old who goes to daycare, outbreaks there happen all the time. So how worried are experts about the virus causing outbreaks at schools and daycares right now? Well, I think I, I think it is a concern if we don't get it under control now. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, you're right, you know, toddlers are just petri dishes for any kind of um, infection. And, you know, they're constantly touching things and touching each other and breathing in each other's Putting faces. Putting things in their mouth. Exactly. So... I, at this point, thankfully, there are no kids who have um, monkeypox in Canada that have been reported yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on the upside. On, on the downside is, like, you know, this is one of one of the many reasons why we kind of have to contain it as soon as possible. Um, and the the other thing too is that um, some of the research has shown that in kids um, they get they tend to get more severe disease. We actually had a lot of um, responses about vaccines. So I think it's probably best to kind of do kind of a rapid fire here with all our questions. Sure. So let's start off with what is Canada's current vaccine stockpile? Um, so Teresa Tam in a recent press conference had mentioned we have about 70,000 doses of a vaccine called Invimune. Invimune. Yeah. Mean. Okay. How well does it work? Uh there are estimates about like 85% efficacy. How long does it last? Okay, that, that is a great question. And I, I don't know the answer exactly, uh, but the um, New York State Department of Health had mentioned that smallpox vaccine, which Invimune um, is a, a vaccine for smallpox, it provides full immunity to three to five years and then decreasing immunity thereafter. That's interesting because, you know, there's a population of, of Canadians that, that were immunized against smallpox before 1972. So, so I guess the idea is that if you had a smallpox vaccine before, you're not going to be protected against monkeypox now. Well, according to the New York State Health Department, that is certainly what it would, um, it would suggest. We, I don't know um, how much you know, wh- whether you have like zero immunity mm-hmm. now, that may, they, that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. So let's put that in the unknown pile. Okay. 
And we have someone on Instagram that wanted to know, and I'm actually also curious about this, because the smallpox vaccine that we're used to leaves that kind of circle mark on your arm. Does that still happen with this vaccine? Um, with the Invimune, it does not, apparently. But um, in the States, there are two types of vaccines used, and one of them does leave a mark. Okay. So if you're in Canada getting the vaccine, you won't get uh, that, that circular mark on your arm. Right. Is the government working on getting more vaccines? Teresa Tam had mentioned that there are continuing discussions to secure more doses. One list I wanted to know about it, whether or not the chickenpox vaccine would work here. Well, the, no, chickenpox is a different type of virus, not the pox So virus. the vaccine wouldn't work there. Right. And when can the general population expect vaccines? I think at this point, there shouldn't be a need to vaccinate everybody if these outbreaks can be contained. Who can get the monkeypox vaccine right now in Canada? Um, okay, so this is something that people will have to kind of look at their provincial um, criteria. But right now, you know, it's not something that everybody can just go out and get right now. So there are there are eligibility criteria and you have to um, kind of be de- determined at high risk of exposure or, um, you know, have had close contact with somebody who has had monkeypox. Wincy, thank you so much for being on the show. You, you played ball. There's a lot of questions there. I really appreciate you coming on and answering them all. Thanks so much, Cheryl. (laughs) That's it for today. And that's the end of my time as your guest host. Thank you so much for listening. Manika is back hosting on Monday with a very special week we're cooking up for you. It's Food Week at the Decibel. We'll be talking about the ethics and business and politics of food all week. I'm Cheryl Sutherland, and our regular host is Manika Raymond-Wilms. Zara Kazema is our summer producer. Michal Stein produced this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer. And Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening. It's been really fun.